Veritas Mizzou podcast. Veritas is the college ministry of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. Our greatest hope is to see more and more college students believe that Jesus is more. To get connected, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Welcome. I'm glad that you guys could be here tonight. Um, If you have been here, or even if you haven't, uh, you might know, or you now will know, that this semester we're going through the Gospel of John. And um, as being people that tend to forget stuff easily, you know, I'm sure there's probably a lot of us that if I asked you what you ate for breakfast, don't know if you could tell me, thought I would give you a little bit of a rundown um, of what we've been going through. Um, So John, the author of this gospel, he tells us near the end the, the reason that he wrote this gospel. And he says this in chapter 20, he says, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so starting with that verse, going through John um, here at Veritas, we've been looking at and kind of reading, understanding what that means. And, And we've heard a lot of things. We've heard Jesus talked about as being the king. You know, we've heard him talked about as the bread of life. He is the good wine. We've talked and we've discussed that Jesus is what our souls are ultimately longing for. And he is the only one that can fully fulfill, that can fully satisfy us. Um, And so for the Jews that were following Jesus around, they were seeing these miracles, they were hearing his teaching. And for some of them, many of them, they were beginning to believe in Jesus. They were beginning to trust him and believe he is who he says he is, that he is the king. They were believing that Jesus is the son of God. And so tonight we're going to pick up in John chapter 8. And we're going to see Jesus is talking to, he's addressing those Jews that have been following him that say that they believe. And he's teaching them how they know if they really believe, if they can be sure, if they can know that they are truly followers of Jesus. Um, So we're going to read in John chapter 8. But before we do that, can I actually just pray for us in our time tonight? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for giving us a space to gather together to read your word, to talk about your word. God, I pray that your spirit would open our hearts to hear what you have to say, that through your word that we could know you and believe you and trust you with our lives. God, we love you and we pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, let's jump in. John chapter 8. If you have your Bibles and you want to flip there, it's verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, 
If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so when we, when we read these verses, like I said, we're talking about those following him, and Jesus is trying to, to help them, and we could say challenge them to ask to discern whether or not they are real disciples. Um, another way to put this is, is he's asking them if their faith, if their belief in him, if it's genuine. And, and Jesus is answering the question for them, how do I know if my faith is genuine? And he's answering that for, for the believers then, but also for us now. And when we read that, the first time I read that, it's, it's kind of a hard question to think about. How do I know if my faith is genuine? And it can be really confusing when it comes on the end of a verse like verse 30, where he says, as he was saying these things, as Jesus was teaching, many believed in him. So, so he's teaching these Jewish people, and, and it appears that many believe his teaching. That's what John tells us. Many are believing in the beginning of chapter 8 that Jesus is the light of the world that like we said, he's the bread of life. He's the son of God who came to take away their sins. He's the Messiah that they've been longing for. And so if we think more about these people Jesus is talking to, he's, he's really kind of discerning between two groups. You have, you've got the group that are true disciples and you've got those that aren't, maybe those that think they believe they're hearing Jesus' teaching, but they're not actually true followers of Jesus. And, and so how do we know, how do those hearing Jesus' teaching, how do they discern, how do they know whether or not they have genuine faith? Like that seems kind of like the thing, if, if we're with Jesus in that day, like we'd probably want to know that, right? Like we'd probably want like a hint or a guide or a clue well, look back in verse 31. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If you abide. So a good question is, what does it mean to abide? If, if you're maybe like me, you can Google it. Um, doesn't help a ton in the context here. And, and this is one of those times that I don't know if you read the Bible, when you read the Bible, if you read a translation, if you read the ESV or NIV, or if you have no idea what I'm talking about right now, regardless, if, if we look at these different translations, we'll see that they, they all use different wording here. They all kind of say something different. And now I don't, I don't want you to get worried. They don't, they're not disagreeing with each other. That's not what's happening. But it seems to portray the fact that there's a whole bunch of smart people that were working on translating this and, and they couldn't really decide one word in English that captured what Jesus was talking about in Greek. And so I promise, I swear, this isn't a flex. This isn't trying to look smart or cool. But I think this is one of those times that we can look at the original language. We can look at the Greek and we can use that to help us understand what Jesus means. What is Jesus talking about? And so the Greek verb that he uses here, it's meno. Um, 
I don't actually know if I'm saying it right, but I believe I am, minnow. And so I know that means nothing to you right now. So just a second, bear with me. Give me, give me a little bit of time, okay? Um, minnow, this word, what do we think of when we hear minnow? Now, just like your, your English mind, your you know, college student in Columbia, what comes to mind when you think minnow? Yeah, we don't interact on Tuesday nights, so nobody say anything. It's probably a fish, right? Hopefully, head's nodding. Cool, okay. It's a fish. Good. We all think minnow when we think of fish. If you don't, think, think fish. Think minnow. And where do fish abide? Where do fish live? Hey, got one. They live in the water. It's, it's okay to talk. It's okay. You don't have to feel bad. Fish live in water. Fish need water. Fish actually have to remain in, stay in water to live. And minnows have to remain in water to live. And so in the same way, we have to remain in Jesus for life. We have to minnow in Jesus, remain in, abide in, continue in him if we are truly his disciples. And, and so just like fish need water, so too you and I need Jesus for life. And, and we need to minnow, remain in Jesus for freedom. Isn't that cool? Isn't that like, no, you don't think so? Okay, I think it's cool. I know you think it's cool. I just can't tell right now, but it's awesome. And it's cool because Jesus says, if we minnow, if we abide in, remain in, continue in, hold to him, it's, he tells us in verse 32 that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, to abide in Jesus, it's a state of reliance on him, in him. True disciples, they realize their need for Jesus. True disciples, they realize their need for Jesus's teaching and they follow him. So now we kind of understand, hopefully, what it means to abide in Jesus. Let's look and let's ask the question, what does it look like to abide in, to minnow, to remain in Jesus? More specifically, as Jesus says, to abide in his word. What does that look like for his original audience? But also tonight, what does that look like for you and I? Well, as it turns out, we can use other parts of Scripture to help us here. Um, if we flip to 1 John chapter 2, picking it up in verse 3, it says this. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now, I think for me, these, these verses, they help us gain a better picture of what Jesus is talking about, what it means to abide in Jesus, a genuine believer, a genuine follower, they keep his commandments. And, and we see at the end of those verses that continuing thought of abiding in him, of walking 
as it says, in the way that Jesus walked. And another way I think we could say that is true followers of Jesus, well, they, they seek to understand. They want to follow. They seek to obey Jesus and his teaching. Now, if I had to guess, I would say maybe for some of you, there's some red flags going off right now, right? This guy's talking about commands and obedience. Justin, that's, that's not like, that's not cool. Those aren't words that I want to hear in college. This is freedom. So what, what else? What are you talking about? What else comes to mind? There's got to be something different. There's got to be something more. And I think that's because for a lot of us, commands and, and obedience, they're, they're alarming. They turn us off because of a, a lot of different reasons. You know, for some of us, we grew up being taught that, whether explicitly or implicitly, that, you know, that's what being a Christian is. You may have grown up in a Christian household or you went to a private school where they taught Christianity. And, and so obedience is correlated to memorizing or being able to say the right thing for a letter grade, possibly. For other, uh, others of us in here, just the, the thought, the vocabulary, the terminology of obedience, commandments, it's just like, ugh, yeah, I just, I, I just don't like that. It's a, that's a Christian stereotype that we don't want to be a part of, right? And, and even if we're not a part of that Christian stereotype, isn't that the Western culture that we live in, isn't that the type of language that we don't want to be a part of? I mean, we live in a time of independence and freedom and autonomy. We don't want to be told obedience to commands. We want to be told, you do you. We want to be told, be your own person. No one can tell you what to do. And so when I stand up here and we say, obey Jesus, what is he talking about? Because right now, it might, it can, it can feel restricting and it can kind of feel uncomfortable and, and we kind of maybe want to run as far away from it as we possibly can. And, and if that's you, if you feel that way, I would say that's totally fine. That's okay. Let me talk it out. Let us talk it out and let's talk about, think about, look at what it looks like to obey and follow Jesus' commands because it's not just a list of do's and don'ts like I think we sometimes are told that it is. Look at it this way for me, a different angle. Um, so a little bit about me, um, I'm a big Chiefs fan. I grew up north of Kansas City, way north of Kansas City. If you're from Kansas City, you don't know where I'm from, it's okay. Um, but my family grew up with season tickets. And so once a year, I'd probably get to go to a game. It was always super awesome. I got to eat a whole bunch of junk food and yell and scream and, you know, football. It was awesome. But let's say for a second I hadn't just told you that, and let's say that you don't know anything about me. Some of you here, that's easy, good, cool. Stay right where you are. That's perfect. How would I convince you, how would you know that I'm a real fan, that I'm a true Chiefs fan? What are, what are things that would help you maybe believe this? I could be wearing a shirt right now or a hat or a jersey. I could tell you about how yesterday we beat the Patriots and the Monday before that we beat the Ravens and last semester 
We, last year, we won the Super Bowl, and maybe if I was a really big fan, I could bore you with a whole bunch of details right now that some of you are interested in, but some of you don't care about. I could tell you about hours that I spend reading articles and and learning about players, listening to sports radio, and, and hearing and watching the game so I know the latest news. But what if the opposite was true? What if we met and I told you I was a Chiefs fan, but I didn't know any of that stuff? I didn't wear anything that was Chiefs. I couldn't tell you any of the players. I couldn't tell you what they had done or the fact that they played even yesterday. You'd probably, hopefully, rightfully so, ask, is this guy really a Chiefs fan? How can we say that this guy is a Chiefs fan when he doesn't actually follow them? If I don't actually know anything, if nothing in my life reflects my love for the Chiefs, how can I say that I love the Chiefs? And, and I think in a similar way, Jesus is telling the crowd that it's not enough to just believe a few of the things that I'm saying right now. He's saying true followers, they will abide in him. They will continue to. They're excited to spend time with him. They're excited to follow him, to know him, to have areas of their life that reflect him. You see, Jesus is saying true disciples, they seek to understand his word, his teaching better. True fans of Jesus, well, they walk in the way that Jesus walked and they see that. We can see that in our lives because obedience to Jesus, like we were looking at, it's not do's and don'ts. It's not a list of this, not this, so that you'll be a follower. No, faithful obedience is following Jesus' commands. It's believing in him, responding in obedience to the truth that Jesus is more, that he's more than anything that the world has to offer. You see, the only response to believing in Jesus is obedience. It's to seek to follow him, to abide in him, to remain in him. That is what proves, that is how we see and reveal our faith, our belief in Jesus, is that obedience in following him. And I think when, when I read this, and I think when his original audience and us here tonight, when we hear this, the first question that we ask ourselves maybe is, am I abiding in Jesus? We ask ourselves, what is remaining in Jesus, remaining in his teaching? What does that look like in my life? What does it look like to abide in him, to trust him, to faithfully obey as a response to my belief in him? How would you answer those questions? Would you say that you're abiding in Jesus? Would you say that you're continuing to live in him. And I know that we can say a lot of things right now, but I just think for me and hopefully for you, it's really helpful to just get practical and say, what, what does it look like to abide in Jesus? And, and I know that there's not one simple way, but, but even just to start, 
one way that, that you and I, we can abide in, remain in Jesus is, is simple enough. It's just spending time with him. Not, not rocket science, nothing crazy. Spend time with him. Read our Bibles. Abide in Jesus by spending time with God, communicating with him through prayer. Now, I also know that this is one of those things that if you've been coming around here or you've been going to church for a while, we kind of we hear this a lot. We kind of say this a lot, right? Like, it's good to read God's word. It's good to pray. And yet, if you guys are anything like me, there's, there's kind of some sort of disconnect, right? There's a disconnect because we hear this, we're told this, that true followers, they, they spend time with God and his word. And yet, for a lot of us, for me, it, it seems so difficult to do sometimes. It's easier for me to just hit the snooze button a couple times and then get where I need to when I need to get there instead of carving out a little extra time in my schedule uh, to be in my Bible. Or it's easy for me when I'm driving places to, to listen to a podcast or to listen to music instead of allowing myself to be in the silence, to, to talk to God, to pray with God, reflect with God when I'm in the car. And I think that the reason that there might be this disconnect is because I think it's a lack of understanding for us, a lack of understanding between what Jesus is saying in these passages and what we're doing. What, what's the disconnect? What are you and I, maybe just me, what am I missing or forgetting that, that makes it difficult for me to joyfully spend time with God? Um, I remember uh, a few years back, my parents came in town and there was a men's conference here uh, at the church. And, and so my mom hung out with my wife and my dad and I went to the conference. And there's a ton of details that I don't remember at the conference, about the conference. I don't remember the guy's name, to be honest. Um, but there was one part when he was talking that I remember, and I don't think I can forget it. He he was saying, what's, what's the most common question that he gets asked? And the most common question that he gets asked as an older leader uh, in a Christian organization or as a pastor was, what does it look like? Is it difficult for him to have a quiet time, to spend time each day reading his Bible? Is it difficult for him to spend time in God's word? And the reason I can't forget what he said is because it was amazing. He, he said, no, of course, it's not difficult for me to spend time in God's word. He said, God's word, he helped his Bible. He said, this is my lifeline. He said, I need this more than the air that I breathe. No, it's not difficult for me to spend time in scripture, to abide in him, because that's what I need more than anything else. And, and, and there's something about when he said that, it, it just sticks with me because I think he understood, I think he understands what I and what so many of us so easily forget. He understood that scripture, it's the word of God and that it's given to us. It's a gift. It's life-giving. This pastor, he understood the beauty of God's word, like what we read from the psalmists in Psalm 119 when he says, I've kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. 
I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. You see, that pastor at that men's conference, he knew, he believed, he understood that God's word, it's sweeter than honey. He trusted that Jesus' teaching was a lamp for his path and that it was a means of God leading him on a path of righteousness. Do you guys do you guys feel that way about God's word, about Jesus' teaching? Do you remember that it's sweeter than honey, that it's a guide for us, that it's meant for our good? Gosh, I... I totally forget that sometimes. I, I look at it as something I have to do and not something that I get to do. It's one of those things that if I'm honest, I probably just need it tattooed on the back of my hand because I just so often forget that truth. And I think that's actually part of the importance of what Jesus is saying to abide in his word, abide in his teaching, to seek to know him and to understand him it's because he knows us. He knows that we forget. He knows that we need that reminder day in and day out. And, and that's just so beautiful that he knows us that well. He knows me that well to know that I need that. Now, this is, this is probably the moment that I could list several other ways that it could look like for you and I to abide in Jesus. But I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to do that because I think that for all of us, we live in this culture of go, go, go. We live in this culture of do more. And I think sometimes I'm guilty of this. I just try to add too many things to my list. I just try to do too many things. And so if I stand up here and I give you 20 things to do, there's a chance it's just going to leave you exhausted and defeated because None of those things are going to stick if we don't first have the time or, or make the time to be with and abide in Jesus. I can't expect you to spend 30 minutes a day with God if you don't feel like you have 30 seconds in your schedule to spare. And that's where one thing that's been super helpful for me in this, just in my own life, is there's a book. It's by a guy, John Mark Comer, uh, he's out of Portland. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, if you're looking for something like that, pick it up. It's an amazing book. It's been super helpful for me, for my wife. And, and reading it, he's talking, you know, about what the title says, to ruthlessly eliminate hurry in our lives. And, and I think that's so important because in order to abide in Jesus's word, in order to say yes to prioritizing time, with God to just being with him, well, the most important thing we have to do and the most difficult thing we have to do is we have to say no. We have to say no to trying to watch every single sports game that's on at night right now. We have to say no to the distractions that we have. We have to say no to committing to the next project, the next organization, the next exec board. We have to say no to the extra 30 minutes that we could get maybe of studying and doing homework 
so that we can say yes. I want us, I want Veritas, I want all of us in here to be a group that says yes, that is able to say yes to following Jesus, yes to spending time with Jesus, yes to getting to know him, to abiding in him. I want us to be the collective group of people that do that. We say yes to Jesus, and we do that one day at a time. But to do this, to say yes to that time with Jesus, to say yes to abiding in him, I think one last thing we have to do is we have to remember why we're doing that. Why do we follow? Why do we abide in Jesus? And I think if we look back to our verses in John chapter 8, we'll see. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You see, like we talked about, faithful obedience, abiding in God's word, it brings life. It brings freedom. He tells us that it brings freedom from the bondage of sin. When Jesus tells those listening to abide in him, when he tells us to remain in him, to follow his teachings, it's because we're enslaved. And yet he also tells us that if we remain in him, there's hope. There's hope in Jesus, abiding in him, knowing him, believing in him, that he is the truth. And, and I know that, that once again, all this talk of being enslaved to sin and obedience it just feels like words that we shouldn't use, and it feels kind of backwards, I think. But when we look at it the way that Jesus means, when we look at obedience as faithful obedience, it's not obedience that brings restrictions and that brings bondage. No, we look and we see that Jesus is telling us the opposite, that that, that obedience to him, abiding in him, it brings freedom and it brings life to all of us that do that. And that's just, guys, that's just so cool. And so as the music team comes back up, as, as we end our time tonight, I just want to leave you guys with one last thing. When we read these verses, when we look at these verses, one of, one of the beautiful things, but also one of the challenges, is that Jesus, he doesn't tell his followers exactly what it looks like right here to abide in him. He doesn't give them a timeline. He doesn't give them a picture and say, this is what it looks like to abide in me. He never gives them a duration. He says, abide in my word. Followers of Jesus, they're supposed to remain in his teaching, continue in his way day in and day out. And you might have heard us say this before, my hope, the hope of our staff team, is that if we could, if I could reach out to all of you in 10, 20, 30 years, my hope and my desire would be that I could call you up and wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, I could talk to you and I could say, hey, where's your hope? And you'd say, man, my hope's still in Jesus. And you'd say, I'm still fighting to follow Jesus and abide in Jesus 
every day of my life. If I called you in 30 years, you'd say that I'm looking to Jesus for freedom. He is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life that I need. And Jesus is the freedom that we all need, the freedom from sin. He gives that to us. And and our hope is just that you would cling to that, abide in him day in and day out. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Veritas Mizzou podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, please be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This helps other people find our content so that they can be encouraged too. Most importantly, to get connected to Veritas, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening.